0: The Great Tribulation, what does it look like? We've got some answers for you next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. (music) What in the world is going to happen? That's the series today's broadcast has taken from, a greater series that we're presenting a small portion of here in the month of February. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today, we wanna continue our prophetic look what in the world is going to happen by taking a look at the Great Tribulation. What is the Great Tribulation? What does scripture have to say all about? Join us and find out on today's broadcast of Truth For Today and teacher and pastor now. Here's Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Bibles to Isaiah 2. Well, I take you on a panorama of all the Bible today. I'm on a uh, uh, prophetic series for those that may be with us for the first time, and we've been looking at uh, some prophecies about what will happen in the future. Uh, I was struck by this as people were asking me during the tsunami. It'd be a good time during the 9-11 uh, when great catastrophes happen. What in the world is going to happen? And my mind was uh, stirred by that. There's going to be a lot of things happen that the San Francisco Chronicle knows nothing about. Gene Dixon doesn't know anything about. But God has already stated it. And so, since all Scripture is profitable— Uh, Though it's not in vogue today, prophecy, yet the uh, staff remind me, uh, Tim LaHaye only sold about 20 million copies of his book, Left Behind, his series. Somebody wants to know about the future, and God wants his people to be on the know, and I want us to look at it and see what kind of effect it ought to have on us. I want to look at the subject uh, commonly known as the tribulation period in the Bible, It's called different things. It's called the Great Tribulation because of the second half of it. It gets that title. It's called the Day of the Lord. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, when Israel will go through a special time of cleansing and uh, persecution. And I want to take you uh, as best as I can to give you an exposure to the uh, broadness of it. You can study these passages and study all that you want. But let's just stand where we are now. Um, 1900 years plus beyond the cross, Christ said he's coming again. When? Any moment. Nothing to prevent it. No prophecies need to be fulfilled. So any moment, we can say perhaps today, every day. Because Christ can come any moment. Any moment. Nothing, nothing has to happen in the world for him to come. No prophecies hanging out there. He just has to see the Father nod his head, say, go. Even in his own humanity, he did not know the time nor the hour. He's waiting for the nod from the Father. But we've got in Scripture that as the end times come, a man of sin that we commonly call the Antichrist will emerge, and he will broker a peace treaty with Israel. That man may be over there today. We don't know. I don't know where that man is, but it's spelled out in Scripture, and we looked at that in 2 Thessalonians. But now I want to give you kind of a scriptural panorama of a day that uh, will not make you uh, jump for joy. It's dismal, it's painful, and it's truthful. Go with me to Isaiah 2. I'm going to read a lot of Scripture today. Try not to yell, and just want you to see what Scripture says he talks about the day of the Lord. It's an Old Testament phrase. And so I pick up in 2.9. So man will be brought low and mankind humble. Do not forgive them. The day of the Lord will be a bad day for proud men. Because God says over and over, I'm going to, I want to get you in the day of the Lord. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled, and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. All the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel. The arrogance of man will be brought low and the pride of men humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear, and he comes back. Men will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty." Look at chapter 13 and see the cosmic changes that will take place in the universe in the day of the Lord. God is going to shake up the celestial heavens in this day, and it will be an amazing thing. Verse 9, 139. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Verse 8, terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will wreathe like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at each other, their faces aflame. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger. Notice verse 10, the stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. God's going to turn out the lights of the universe. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. Verse 13, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Had a professor in school believed the earth would be taken off of his axes during the day of the Lord and it would stagger like a drunk man through the heavens. But he describes that day as an awful day. I want you to read a place that you never read at all, Zephaniah. Can you spell it? I'm surprised one of these couples haven't picked Zephaniah. We got Malachi, Elijah. We need a Zephaniah. Um, Zephaniah after Habakkuk, another book quite often read by you. Um, And if you've gone to Zechariah, you've gone too far. It's a minor prophet's. And I can help you no further. Uh, Verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen. The cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter, the shouting of the warrior there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities, against the corner towers, I will bring distress on the people. Wow. Not a day you'd want to put in your calendar to keep. And so we have these Old Testament prophecies There's a day in which divine wrath will be poured out on the inhabitants of the earth. And the main thing he goes after, he uses one overarching problem with man. He's proud and he's arrogant. He does his sins in defiance of the living God. God will not hold me accountable. I can get away with it. It doesn't matter. God is as helpless as the idols of gold and silver we worship. And so that day means nothing. And God says, it will be a bad day, a distressful day, a dark day, the day of the Lord. It will be a day of wrath. The time period comes from the tribulation, when we believe after the church is gone, all the way to the destruction of the heavens and the earth, a period that will cover over 1,000 years. The 1,000-year reign of Christ will be there. But the Jewish day starts in the evening. It starts dark. 6 p.m. And so the day of the Lord will start when it's dark. And as that day progresses, the light of the thousand-year reign of Christ will come. And at the end of that reign, he will throw a match to the universe. And that match will be his word. And he will dissolve every atomic particle so that both the heavens and the earth, as they now are, will be burned up into an ash heap. And God will begin all over with a new heaven and a new earth. That's where... going. You look in Scripture, Paul refers to the day of the Lord, and we'll look at that later, that it will come on the earth like a thief in the night, unexpected, unheralded, unwanted, but it will come. When? We don't know, but it's in our future. We don't think it happened in 70 AD. We don't think it's happened in history because I'm going to begin to read to you what will happen during that day in the book of Revelation, and you'll see we've never experienced anything like it so far. Let me give you my bias and what I understand when I say the events of the day of the Lord are the same as the tribulation and then on into the reign of Christ. I understand that uh, the day of the Lord begins with a covenant made by an antichrist with the nation of Israel, and I get it from Daniel 9 that there's a man coming out of the Roman Empire that will offer Israel a peace treaty, and he makes the treaty for seven years. And in the middle of that seven-year treaty, he breaks his word, and he does something so abominable to the Jewish people especially. He will go into a temple site, I believe, in Jerusalem, and this political leader will declare himself to be God. And what will be amazing is the earth will buy it And there will be a paid preacher called a false prophet that will preach it and say, he is God. And if you don't receive his mark, I'm going to kill you. These are some of the events in this tribulation period. And this abominable antichrist that will oppose Christ, declare himself to be God, and Satan will energize him to deceive the nations of the earth into a religion of a man. All of these things we understand are on the books to happen. We will not prophesy dates or set times, but we believe it could happen anytime time God wants to remove his church. This covenant can start at any time. Whenever it's signed, this tribulation period begins. I want you to turn to the book of Revelation and just see how John— the book of Revelation describes the day of the Lord or the tribulation. Because the prophecies from chapter 6 to chapter 19 are dealing with the tribulation period. At the end of chapter 19, Christ comes to the earth again and the tribulation ends. But what happens during that time? Turn with me to chapter 6 of Revelation. By the way, the book of Revelation, I find the book of Revelation is easier to understand than the book of John. It's easier to outline, it's more straightforward, and it's a revelation, it's not a mystery. It's not a confusion, it's a revelation. He's unveiling the future. So the folks who don't understand revelation, I was in a class one time and a student said, I don't understand the book of Revelation. I said, have you ever read it? No, I could say, which was a tough chapter, I said, did you ever just read it? No, no, but I can't understand it. And then I was in one seminary that said, nobody can understand the book of Revelation. And I was convinced no one in that class did, except the prof, D. Edmund Hebert. He knew it. The rest of them were buying into German rationalism. And when you buy into liberalism, you can never accept the book of Revelation. Because you... You've got to believe this is the Word of God. And here's the principle we're going to apply as we read this. Take it literally unless it's impossible to do so. If he says Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem, we say we take it literally. If it says he's going to be born of a virgin, we take it literally. If it says they're going to flee to Egypt, we take it literally. If it says they're going to slaughter babies at the time Messiah is born, we take it literally just as Herod did kill the babies two years and younger. We take it literally unless impossible to do so. Now, when we read these passages, don't look for symbols, don't look for allegory, don't look for any other meaning but the meaning he gives. Just take it literally. Because if God wanted to confuse you, he didn't have to use symbols. If he wanted to fool us and, and jerk us around and confuse us, that is not the goal of God. He wants to inform his people as to his plans. And he says this in the Old Testament and the New, he brings us into his secret councils to tell us things that the outside world can never know. We're on the inside scoop. Good or bad, he lets us know. Now watch. In chapter 6, he begins a series of judgments called the seal judgments. And after they run out, he unfolds a seven other judgments called the trumpets. Then he unfolds bold judgments. So you get about oh, about 20, because the sixth or seventh seal opens up another series, but about 20 plagues that he says will come during this tribulation period. And he's warning his readers, uh, beware of what's coming on the earth. Let's follow it. The first seal, a rider comes out in order to conquer the earth. Verse 2. So whoever this rider is, many believe he's the Antichrist himself, he comes out to conquer the earth. He's a conquering broker-dealer, but he goes out carrying a gun, as it were. Then they open the second seal in verse 3, and another horseman goes out, and they take peace from the earth, and they slay each other. So it looks like war breaks out on the earth. Verse five, the third rider comes out, and he's wearing a black. He's riding a black horse, and it's famine. He's got a pair of scales, talking about how it'd be hard to buy those things to sustain life. And so it appears that this horseman brings famine on the earth. The fourth rider goes out in verse seven, and uh, behind him is one. Who is a pale horse who has the power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beast of the earth. Now, let's imagine this. this. This one plague right here. One fourth of the earth. What are we, six and a half billion now? We're at least six billion people. What's one fourth of six billion? Do the math. 1.5? That's a pretty good The tsunami would kill 200,000 around that, maybe a little bit more. But we're talking about in this one plague alone, 1 billion, 500 million people will die by famine, by, by plague, I think of the bubonic plague, how it ravaged Europe, the sword, and wild beasts of the earth will turn on human beings, and a billion and a half people, if we were going by the present earth's population, Killed in this one plague. Now, is that understandable? Can you understand what he said? Do you like this? Or like that? Okay. I mean, that's not too hard to understand, is it? I mean, it's not symbolic. That's just literally a billion and a half, one-fourth of whatever we've got on the earth is going to kill them. The fifth seal are those martyred for Christ during this time, believers, there will be people saved during the tribulation of both Jew and Gentile, and many will be martyred for their faith, and these martyrs are seen in heaven praying that God will take vengeance on those who inflicted hurt on them on the earth, and they're praying. Then we come to the sixth seal in verse 12. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. Now, now how would you interpret that? I'll, I'll give you a little profit. Let's see, let's interpret it. It's so hard. The sun turned black. Can you get that? Okay. Now he just gives you comparisons. Like sackcloth made of goat hair. Now, you city kids, that doesn't do anything. You don't even know what a goat looks like. But John did. And goats were they were black. So, it's black. That's what you want to get. The whole moon turned, not to blood, but turned blood red. So you've got things going on in the cosmos, in the celestial star. I mean, men will look at the stars. Wait, the sun's turned black? Men, we're supposed to have light. The moon's turned into what looks like blood. Uh, there, there is God's using in the whole universe to shout to man. The stars, the sky. The moon, the sun, something's going on. And then this, he goes on, and the stars fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. So stars are just going to start shaking out of the heavens as fully ripe figs and the wind has hit them and they just fall in every place. I mean, you need a good hiding place the sky recedes like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place now it's not destroyed but it's removed it uh, it's it shook around because in another plague he's going to remove them but here he shakes them up every island what do the kings of the earth do the princes the generals the rich the mighty and every slave and every free man hid in caves isaiah 2 And among the rocks of the mountains. They call to the mountains and the rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the face of Buddha. Hide us from the face of Genghis Khan. No. An unbelieving world knows this is coming from the throne room of God. And they address the source of the plague to the lamb. The wrath of the lamb. And watch this. For the great day of there, and there is more than one, so it's Jesus God the Father and God the Son. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? What's coming on the earth? A day when every general, every prince, every king will watch the solar system go wild. Staggering through space will be the earth, the moon will be affected, the stars affected, the sun affected an earthquake that shakes everything on the planet earth, and men say the safest place is to hide in a cave or a crevice in a mountainside. I've got to find a place to hide. Well, that's just one series of judgments. Then we step to the trumpet judgments, move down. I thought today, what a day to speak on the great tribulation, the day we celebrate children. You know, there is no connection, no connection. But I I've just in the series. Forgive me, parents. I'm just in the series. Um, look at this, the trumpets. Verse 7. The angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. This is the series of the one third judgments. The second angel sounds his trumpet. Something like a huge mountain. All ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. A third angel sounds his trumpet. And a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers. This is fresh water. And on the springs of water. And they named them Wormwood, and the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounds a trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. He goes down in chapter 9. A fifth angel unlocks the abyss in the heart of the earth, and these creatures come out of it called locusts that are no ordinary locusts. They sting people. They do not have the power to kill, but the power to torment. And for five months, men will be tortured. They will chew and gnaw their tongue. They will seek death and not find it. This is the fifth plague.
0: Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? It is a small look at a larger series, a prophetic series, taking a look at end times, and we're only able to bring you a portion of it here in the month of February. The entire nine sermon set is available for a gift of $15 or more when you contact us here in the month of February. If you would like the book that accompanies this, also written by our teacher and pastor Phil Howard, simply ask for it by name when you contact us, What in the World is Going to Happen? And for a donation of $25 or more, we'll send the book along as well. For a copy of today's program on CD, simply get a hold of us and we'll send one out to you, no charge. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As always, you're welcome to visit Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We'd love to see you and spend time with you face to face. Services are at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again by simply calling 855-833-9864. This broadcast is available here on KFAX on a weekly basis as you come by and sponsor us financially and prayerfully. Linking Arms With Us continues the broadcast of Truth For Today here on KFAX, reaching thousands here in the Bay Area or the gospel of Christ. Further information can be had when you contact us at 855-833-9864 and then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.